Hello, everybody. This is the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans uh, who have had to go underground to give our candid views on stocks each week. Our bosses would never allow us to give our thoughts on the air, so we've taken on secret identities, disguised our voices, and uh, basically do what we've been doing for about 25 years, which is look at Value Line every week and uh, talk about our favorites, and now we record it and you get in on it. Uh, look at our website, www.thevalueguys.com, where you can see all our disclosures, including, importantly, this is for entertainment purposes only. And uh, we also, uh, well, you, you know. you get a look at our cool-looking disguises, too. We have, yeah, there's, there's pictures of us there. And also that we may own these stocks. Basically, we often are talking about the stocks we do own and our favorites. That's kind of what makes sense, everybody. But the lawyers say we have to tell you that it's for entertainment. Uh, we could be wildly biased. We may actually want you to do the opposite of what we're really talking about, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the, and, and as we the lawyers say. Every week we may know absolutely nothing yeah, about we, what we're talking about. On some about. of these we don't know a lot, although we've been in the business a long time. Now, this week they've looked at the bank industry, financial services, computers. Uh, I'm going to revisit some we may have talked about before at the back half of the show. But first, with great fanfare. And, and the intersection of the two, huh? like MasterCard, for example. What? Yeah, of, of course. Of but I didn't. I, I don't know if I mentioned this is the May twenty fifth, two thousand seventh edition of the Value Line Investment Survey, and uh, that we're going to talk about with great fanfare. I will introduce my colleague in uh, looking at this uh, week's Value Line, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Vern Value. Thank you. <laughs> I know you spend way more time that on that was than I do. <laughs> All right, just get on with it. The people want to know I'm, what's going on. That's right. Okay. okay. So my my first stock, the first stock I'm going to talk about today is uh, I don't is are these initials? Or I have no idea. It's just C A C I. So I don't know it, the way they write it here. It's all caps, so it looks like you must just say C. Maybe it's cacti. Maybe it's cacti. Uh, I don't know. You know, with the invisible T. Or, I don't know. We're idiots. C-A-C-I we don't know. International symbol C A I. Value Line has not liked it and recently raised their apparent five. It must have been at a five because they're at a four as of about a month ago. Okay, so they still don't like it uh, at around forty-six bucks, about a market multiple according to Value Line. Uh, the forty-six compares with well, the lowest high stock for the year achieved in the last five years is fifty-three dollars. That'd be a nifty fifteen percent from where we are. So. Um, the stock's come off some. It's clearly broken down, um, especially this year. Earlier this year, traded as high as 57 um, and must have missed a quarter or something. Doesn't looks like the revenue comparisons have been fine, but Value Line forecasting a flat comparison for the June quarter. So they probably issued guidance that the company, you know, that the market didn't like. I have no idea. I've never heard of this company. You haven't heard of them? They are. Uh, they provide IT products and services primarily to the U.S. government, which was apparently uh, hmm. the Department of Defense alone was seventy three percent of revenue last year. Wow. Systems integration, upgrading legacy systems. Network services, that's designing and implementing networks. Uh, they design prototype systems. They do data warehousing. Uh, Full-service provider to DOD. Federal civilian agencies, 21%. Commercial, 4%. So It seems likely to be a growth government. area for some time. Well, and, and I was struck by, you know, first, of course, the stock being down a lot got me uh, got my attention, as it always would. Um, they um, What happened? Well, it, it, like I say, it's not perfectly clear 
what the source of disappointment was. In the March quarter, they had zero organic growth. And there's some discussion here about um, delayed – where is this? I thought they said something about the – It's de- got to oh, yeah. just be lumpy order flow. It, no, it's the delay, to, delay of the 2007 supplemental yeah. budget, which has right. been being kicked around the, uh, the hill That's for the last happen. two months. What is oh, it no, we like was, about this? It was is actually it signed yet last night, oh. I think, by the president. So in any event, there's been a, there's been a timing issue on the flow of new contract business, but – on the other hand, here it says uh, that their contract awards in the March quarter up 40% from prior year through nine months of fiscal 07 up 40%. So the most important source of revenue growth is up dramatically in the last year. They've, they apparently announced a convertible note offering. It says in May, so quite recently. But I gather already it's usually cheap money, usually factored into the stock price here. So assuming they're going ahead, I would check that because there's at least some chance that you're going to get sufficient pushback from uh, institutional investors that you might reconsider. But um, I, like I say, it looks like it's in the stock. 14 times uh, gross cash flow, return on capital in a 10% range. But value line forecasting double-digit growth in earnings and cash flow, and it's about eight times EBITDA on earnings down this year. So there's the smoking gun. Value line's forecasting earnings at around two and a half bucks instead of closer to two seventy, two eighty the last two years because they've had some of their business shift to the right into oh eight, where they're forecasting recovery back to the same level. So, uh, huh? So do we like it or what's going on? No, absolutely I like it because uh, I think it looks reasonably cheap. And uh, this 14 times cash flow multiple, just like the 8 times enterprise value EBITDA multiple, are on depressed results that I think is temporary. So CAI check Well, I'd say on that one, the software business is usually good because you get a lot of incremental – EBIT after the well, the listeners want to know. know I get a lot of mail. They're like, make sure when make sure when Vern speaks that you follow up with your own view. (laughs) So, in this case, they just write to me privately. They ask not to have that happening. Mm -hmm. I just I can't say who these people are. Whoever you people are, please stop. The uh, software business generally at this sort of the point of the cycle can be a little tricky because if you lose business at all all revenues come out of ebit it's kind of incremental but if you have the defense business out there that's a good stable growth area for some time that's what i like about that more uh, of a yeah, utility we're looking at a uh, higher proportion of gdp uh, going to defense it came to, to a low defense. two years ago and it's moving back up then i've got this uh, my next uh, stock is something called right express i've never heard of this we were just talking earlier i guess yeah you, i just you, bought you that something i about bought it, it two so weeks ago i guess you should be talking about it I should. Line people will it, write me value line has it unrated because it's only been trading for two years plus it's a spin I, out i don't know why they need to somebody anyway symbol wxs um, payment Just, processing and information management services for fleet vehicle management. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So big, commercial and government. Big groups of cars. They and, can keep track. Um, and they provide fleet and corporate charge cards as well. As taking, a control on expenses. backing that mm-hmm. business, right? Right. And um, this was a uh, spin out from Sendent in mm-hmm. 2005, apparently. Right. This company Early has 05. moved through a bunch of businesses. It stayed a cohesive little piece. I think Amex owned it at one time. Sendin owned it at one time. In my opinion, it's ultimately a good fit with a big credit card business that wants to attract giant customers here like we IBM. Go. And you were exactly on the same page yeah. here because this stock <clears throat> has not sold off. I'm, I'm, rec- I'm recommending this stock near a high. 
Um, it's 31 and change, apparently, around the market multiple People recently. are just learning about it. The analysts couldn't even write about it for a while. It's, the valuation, spin-outs are just a source of, you know, the proprietary information. The like 14 times cash flow with uh, operating margins. Are these uh, accurate, above 60%? Shh, don't so, tell the uh, it's a very small company, $300 million in revenue, but with a $1.6 billion enterprise <clears> value, <throat> about eight times with uh, what has been very uh, impressive top-line growth the last couple of years, but slowing dramatically to something like 3% on volume only, according to Value Line, going forward. Uh, can you give us a Well, there's a lot of complexity here in the revenue line and the earnings line because – they're really selling gasoline. The way they get paid is uh, they, in effect, sell gasoline to these big fleets. They buy it at wholesale prices. Excuse me, I'm eating. Well, and they have to convince their customer that well, they're doing, helping them. Th- that kind of, it's just a question spend. of revenue recognition. It's their card, so when you buy gas, it's, uh, that flows through. You're buying it really from Wright, who is contracted on a higher level with you know, all of Shell or all of Exxon or whatever. Yeah, so this revenue flows through, and then they have a cost of goods that's very that high as well. Be, which can be very volatile. So they make this teeny tiny margin right, on gas, and then they have an underlying fee business that is masked by this volatility of this other stream that they hedge. And they have, uh, you know, a lot of unrealized hedge gains and losses coming through that are completely offset by income and revenue on the other side, but that might flow through next quarter. And it gets very confusing, but you just got to keep your eye on EBITDA, and the company gives you a lot of numbers that aren't gap, and they're really worth looking at. You know, sometimes gap, if you have to show EPS. Oh, Value Line even makes the explicit point here to pay less attention to per share earnings. Yeah. And, you know, and my, argument, look at cash flow. my argument would be cash flow is cash flow, and at 14 times doesn't look real cheap. But, see, the same thing struck me because I looked at, you know, I was interested. This is one of these where Value Line shows several of the owners of the stock, right? Now, Newberger Berman, 7%, Wellington, 6 Munder, 6 when well, you do a 14 no, no, there's yeah. virtually no, no capex cap, no capex yeah no, and in, and the they put flow. a lot of money in developing the system now that you can go on the web and manage your whole fleet from the, a laptop at the beach who wouldn't love that anyway I, and they're just may, now going to start earning this money this may not on it. really be any insight but i'm looking at newberger berman munder and wellington these are traditional you know long term longs that are probably fairly stable owners but times square has more than 7% here and I'm sort of struck by the fact that, you know, when they came public in 05, the deal actually sold down some. And I can't help but wonder if Times Square didn't end up with such a large position in the stock because they were, a, you know, a key player in getting the deal done, especially given that it didn't perform well early. Well, that or they suggests, might have owned Sendin and they got shares. I'm just trying shares. to make the point. That yeah. this, you know, it looked, was clearly kind of a weak deal when it came, but it's done quite well yeah. since. People so, got a handful of shares. They didn't know what it was, and they sold it in stock. Now, I'd suggest that you know, this, these are not going to be impediments, is my point, to, uh, uh, to a buyout. And first data recently went at about 14 times EBITDA compared to this eight times multiple here. Right. To the extent that this earnings, you know, measure is relevant. Okay, I recognize that, but uh, presumably this is repeatable and sustainable. I think it's a buyout with perhaps uh, 
They need to hook up to someone who has very sophisticated financial hedging strategies, and there's a lot of scale in that, and they would be served. Do they have a major – are they in a really leading position in this little niche they're in? Yes, they are. Yeah, see, so that's – you're absolutely right. For somebody big that is relying on volume growth with deteriorating pricing – I make money, and it's up, it's up, and I think it's a buy here. Yeah, so I like that. And then the other one I was going to do, and this is kind of funny because I found myself attracted to MSC software, symbol MSCS, because the stock's down 35% from about a year ago, and it looks like they sold equity. Stock, you know, approaching 14, but with a bunch of cash on their balance sheet that they haven't deployed. I'm not sure what the story is, but so more like a $12 stock, but still like 15 times cash flow there. Um, they make um, they make uh, software for for CAD and CAM and computer aided engineering systems. Okay, with maintenance and services between fifty five and sixty percent of revenue and foreign over sixty percent. So it looks like a very well developed, mature, uh, value added business. But they've had some accounting issues, and that's apparently part of why the stock's been down. There are some signs of a turnaround. Value lines calling for that to happen. But I, I ended up coming back around to, even with the stock way down, it's about 20 times free cash flow and 20 times on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis, which shocked me. So, you know, so could, that's too high. I could, right. It's like, well, geez, it's down a lot, but it should be down a lot more Yeah. Uh, to, okay. to get me to buy it. But So it brought me back to... Well, what else could I buy for that or less in the software space? That owns a giant space and could shut down France whenever it wants. Well, but I think right? probably a little less prone oh. to shut down France these days. Since yeah, well, that's Sarkozy a good point. Who should, who should the they shut down? Let's Belgium shut down the Belgians then. Who can do it? Uh, huh? Who can do it's it? It's a small country. Yeah. Enough candles, you could probably No, but who can shut problem. down a country? It's Microsoft. Back. Absolutely. MSFT. Oh, your computer's not working? We've recommended oh, this sorry. before. The stock's worked very well over the last year. I think we probably recommended it in the low 20s. Well, it had a low here, if you look, and that's got to be last summer yeah. where people were quite concerned about the future you know, of you know, Xbox 360 and Vista. With, uh, with no debt and $28 billion of cash, so they have really about an excess of $3 of cash on the balance sheet. So a $28 stock that can do $2 of cash flow that could be 3 within 3 or 4 years. If they, I mean, it is a business well, and again, their capex no is low here per share. To grow and they do nothing but grow. When you look at the absolute dollars Microsoft is spending on R&D, and how that can attract the top talent, you know, with money, they're going to continue to be in the you lead know, here. Even though people, you know, they say, well, you can't make the money software, on the stock. These are, these are big spaces. There's lots of room. But, you know, it doesn't have to be Microsoft or Google or Yahoo. The other thing I'd say is Vista has started out slow. And you see a lot of sort of negative press. I think I was spouting off on the show about how my new Vista laptop was such a pain in the ass. Yeah, to, but the stock's well, it's going to it's slowly coming year, in. You have an back. opportunity here, I think. And they're also doing really interesting things in the media space, the internet on your television, and also in offices with networks and telephones. Uh, I think they're so partnered the up with uh, the uh, stocks picked uh, up uh, over the last year. Value well, line rates it a two. Uh, Microsoft. Uh, we Some also telephone like company. Right Express, your thesis, good buyout candidate, uh, and CAI or CACI International was the other stock. Okay, so great. Now I'm going to turn it over to you. Sir. All right, great. How about, a, uh, how about a dr- beverage, uh, break. beverage break? Very good. Hey, how about that? And we, I don't know if we mentioned this, but sometimes we're drinking on the show. Anyway. Well, usually we're drinking. Yeah, I'd say usually, but there could be kids listening, like my kids. So anyway. Okay. Uh, this week, drink, I'm drinking iced tea right yeah, now. Yeah, I am. It's delicious. So there you are. 
this week, a couple of stocks. I'm going to have a snack. Uh, okay. Please enjoy yourself. Okay. This first one, I didn't get very creative this week, but uh, I think you can make money in these stocks, and that's what's important. Well, that's not creativity. We're, we're not, we're you know, you, artists you over here. You uh, should do a little research yeah. of your own. Please, what, what, we're telling you what the all right. what the prof- investment professional sees when they yeah. Look okay. At value line all right. Guys. All right. Good. Okay. Citigroup, page twenty-one forty-three. This stock's under a lot of pressure, in part because of the mismanagement, not so much of the brand, which is a global brand and financials. They own Smith Barney as well, Primerica. Stock symbols, letters. Uh, You know, they own a part of Travelers. These guys are brands. You've heard our themes before about demographics, growing wealth, and wealth needs financial services, and Citigroup is a brand, and they've got C. Isn't We've talked there about an activist involved there. Right yeah, now? I'm getting all that. We've got a guy who's a you know a, a Saudi, I believe, who owns a big wad of this company, and he's got an interesting name that I can't tell you right now, and I'm trying to look it could here. Could be wad, but they don't have. I, I don't want to insult anyone well, with making fun way. of anyone's names. Um, but the guy uh, that runs this thing, Mister. Charles Prince is under some pressure to cut costs, so they've announced some serious plans. Citibank, the last few years, has been expanding geographically, car, you know, grabbing real estate, actually at a time when real estate values are going up around the country, getting the brand nationally, all the cross-state rules were falling, and they really have now a national uh, network, which 15, 20 years ago you couldn't do. They finally cobbled that together. And now they're going to retrench. they got this great real estate, which was all going up in value, by the way, and now they're cutting costs. They're going to cut 17,000 people. That's going to save a billion seven a year. They got five, well, they have five billion shares, so that really cuts into your savings there. But that's still 25 cents a share. Uh, their earnings growth seems pretty good. They're going to have a record year next year, about five bucks a share. What attracts me to this is just simply the brand at a cheap value. It's 12 times earnings. You get a 4% yield. And it just seems like a no-brainer. What explains uh, this long-term trend of underperformance? Um, I don't know. I think that if you go back in time, you know, that underperformance started in 2003. The stock was at 49, and that was, uh, what, 13 times earnings. So, uh, you know, their earnings growth has been slower than the market. And it's sort of like whatever their growth strategy has been, the market hasn't been buying. What you have to buy into now from 12 times is not multiple expansion. So this just reflects they haven't grown that fast. And, uh, you know, that's that's why they got to cut costs, stop expanding geography, move into services. They also bought some big companies like Smith Barney and Primerica that I think probably had a lot of costs up front. The point is, from here, I think earnings growth is apt to be good. They're going into a buzzsaw of demographics, needing brands, and major cost-cutting. And I can't help but notice a lot of people are doing banking on the Internet. I mean, ultimately, all these great locations they could sell and push people to the Internet just the way uh, Coldwater Creek has or something like that. It's becoming an international business. They're a great brand, 12 times earnings, 4% yield, uh, cost-cuts. City, Citigroup, C, page 2143. Then I come to one that I've talked about before. I own this right now, 1-800-Flowers.com. They've got all their bases covered there. Uh, NDQ, that's NASDAQ. I'm thinking, oh, the symbol NDQ. I didn't think that. It's FLWS, stock at 780. And what I'm attracted to here is simply, uh, well, first, I know this company very well. So my valuation metrics, there's 50 cents in cash flow, stock at 780. You know, that's 15 times higher than I normally like. But what I understand is going on here 
is this company has, uh, you know, low-cost physical distribution for a whole host of brands that are, you know, a lot of gifts. and We're not and, just and, flowers anymore? Well, here's what they have. They've got, of course, flowers. And... Uh, Need a new name? No. Fifty-five percent of their business is over the internet. This is people filling out their own, own forms. There's no incremental cost, basically, except putting a product on an efficient distribution uh, machine and having it go off in a UPS truck. So they've got the infrastructure, fixed costs in place. Thirty-five percent are over the phone. That still requires an operator to answer questions. So that as that goes down, their cost structure gets better. They also uh, own the Plow and Hearth catalog which they bought. They own GreatFoods.com, which they bought. Hearthsong, that kid's toy thing, which they bought. Magic Captain, Popcorn Factory, Cheryl and Company, the catalog, Fannie Mae, an old chocolate brand. I mean, these guys are buying up little brands that they can sell on the Internet, um, and they hook it up to a great low-cost distribution structure so they can get that into your house. And all that cost... So whatever kind of gift you'd like to send to Grandma, we've got... Well, it. anyone. It's not just Grandma anymore. You know, this goes... It's, it's a lot of corporate business. And uh, really, what it amounts to is in corporate, it's can they get it there on time efficiently? Is there a big selection? And that's really the growth market for them, people sending gifts from the office. Uh, their operating margin is going to rise. They've got... Data, uh, direct marketing science on their side. They know how to go through this giant mailing list and figure out which guy wants a plow, which guy wants a piece of candy. And their incremental cost of doing a that is, is zero. Har yeah, they've got the thing plow and hearth. It's one of their catalogs. Who's I have no idea. Plow? I don't think they actually sell plows. That's kind of com that was the comedy part of the show. Love to see some but they can. I mean, this is a science. I'm trying to. I make the point they have low-cost customer acquisition, so they can get a customer from one product to another very easily low-cost. They've got everything in place. I think this thing's going to grow their margin up toward 8% from 5 continue the top-line growth, and I think this stock, it's, it's been running, and we've been recommending it here since lower prices, but I think there's a lot of room left. This thing was at, what, $24 back in 1999 when they added .com to their name. And it's been uh, up and down since then, but they're on a good track here. FLWS, 1-800-Flowers.com. Uh, that's, that's a great situation. And then finally, we've got one here called uh, United Online, page 2240, UNTD. I've talked about this one, I think, a lot of times. I own this. Um, it's, uh, it's an Internet company. And the theme is basically that Internet, uh, you know, space is growing more valuable for two reasons. Uh, there's more and more eyeballs on the Internet longer, which is in creating advertising value on the Internet that's growing faster than GDP. It's growing faster than nor just average advertising. Things are moving to the Internet. And also, the Internet is, uh, the audience on the Internet is growing as well. The Internet is gaining share of eyeballs, and it's also growing its market share of advertising. So, and it's also measurable. So it's become really a beautiful space for advertisers, and that's exactly at the same time that eyeballs are being sucked to the Internet so you can watch all your shows on the Internet. I mean, obviously, you're going to hook the Internet to the TV, and who, it won't matter where it's from. The brands United Online has are brands you've heard of. They're... Uh, Net Zero, Juno, and Blue Light. These are old line dial-up businesses that they bought super cheap years ago, and they charge people $9.99 a month to hook up to the internet. And they got 17 million people. I'm sorry, they got about 
three million people doing that. I was thinking of AOL there. Three million, and it's it's eroding very slowly, about maybe, well, 10% a year, but it's got a half-life probably of three or four years. Very stable cash flow, 80% gross margins, and they're plowing that money into content sites. They own classmates.com. Uh, they own something called mypoints.com, and they're on the lookout for other uh, brands. But right now, they're on the top 10, I think, or 15 of uh, online sites, primarily classmates. It's their big one. They're turning that into a little bit of a social site. There's photos on there. They're not a MySpace or what have you. But if you look at the valuations on MySpace and you know, driven by the hope of advertising, these guys are putting up 80% year-over-year growth rates in their advertising right now as they go out and sell space on these content sites uh, to the you know community that's moving advertising online. That growth engine could last five years. The street's worried that their uh, dial-up customers are eroding, um, but they're eroding very slowly. I mean, not super slowly, um, but they're managing it very well and handing off to this content uh, and I think as people realize that's actually going to happen, the stock's going to move higher. They got a 5% yield, great cash flow. Officers and directors own 8% of the stock. And, uh, you know, I think this is a low-cost way to get into the growth of the Internet without buying Yahoo or Google or eBay or, you know, whatever else is out there. And you actually get a yield on this thing. That's the company actually putting money behind their, uh, uh, their pitch. So uh, UNTD, page 2240. And uh, that's all I have this week, uh, Vern. So, yeah. I'm certainly – I haven't been holding anything back. I what put, do you mean? I put it all out there. So I, have, yeah. I, I don't have anything The only thing I've been holding back is uh, that my favorite one. I've been trying to keep that a little yes. bit back. You know, but now I'm – You had know, a favorite? one eight hundred. I mean, United hard, Online I've owned a long time, two. and I love it. But so I think, think 1-800 yeah, I've made yeah. some good money. 1-800-Flowers um, I think is the one to really – look at this week from me. That's all I got. Okay, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks.